House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Now, uh, today we've got a um, really interesting show. We've had, we've had uh, some people covering this before. Uh, I know with Columbine, we had a few people that were... Um, uh, the, their, their children had been killed, and we had some of the parents on and some of the um, things they had to deal with, and, and one of them had to deal with Alex Jones, which, of course, is our favorite nut job that we know. And um, so we're going to cover the Columbine again, and this time we have um, survivor Amy Orr. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, guys. It's exciting. And, well... <laughs> it's not, not as exciting as being in Columbine. That's um, no, yeah, no. That was that was not an exciting day. That was horrible. No, so I don't know. I you know I don't want to be a typical host and kind of go through all that stuff that probably a lot of people do. But um, the first thing I have to say is okay. So you you survived this horrific event. Um, but what led you to come out and go public, sort of, and start a uh, Confronting Columbine podcast? Well, that's a good question. Um, I actually, they asked me about a year, over a year ago, to be the host of Confronting Columbine. And I, I've i been in the public eye a little bit um, through my uh, advocacy work with the Rebels Project. But um, I just... I don't know. I just something in my gut told me that I needed I had I saw some more healing to do and some more things to confront in my journey. So I decided to take the leap and and be the host of, of this confronting series. And I took on Columbine full circle. I, I took on every facet of Columbine. Before we get too far down the road, can you tell us a little bit about the Rebels Project and what the mandate is and what you do there? Absolutely. The Rebels Project is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit here in Colorado. It started in Colorado after the Aurora Theater shooting in 2012. And um, I didn't come on board until about a year or two later as their director of fundraising. But um, we basically help survivors of mass trauma all over the country. And we're in over 106 communities um, across the world, um, sadly enough. Um, But uh, we're now offering uh, counseling and, and services to, it's called Project Journey, uh, which is our counseling program. Um, and we have a few um, survivors in that program right now, and we help and fully fund their um, journey. Wow. Um, when you say at the beginning, you say something about um, you still had a lot of healing. Um, of course, I haven't been through anything like yeah. like you did. So um, I, I don't have the experience. I can only ask, um, uh, does the healing ever really happen? Uh, you know, because all of us here write a lot of true crime or horror. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're involved in that, we deal with a lot of victims and survivors. I didn't really get the feeling with any of the ones I've talked to that they, um, I, I don't know how to say it. If they, it, it's, it's, it's sort of changed their life. And I don't know, does the healing ever end? Is it something you have to keep at working at? It's something that I keep working on on um, an everyday basis. Um, I have anxiety disorder, 
Uh, I struggle with panic attacks sometimes. Um, but I really had to confront this hit list that apparently I was told I was on. And I needed to get information from the lead investigator, Kate Batten, which is in um, one of the later episodes in the podcast. And she actually shows me the the um, the hit list. So it's pretty crazy. And and it really just helped me, um, you know, find answers. And um, I, I needed that for my for some of my healing process um, and just to learn some of the details of the crime and to talk to like people like Mary Ellen O'Toole and really just dive into why our perpetrators committed this act and what, um, you know, and, and I needed to, to talk with other survivors as well and, and see where they're at in their healing uh, process. Can you explain what you mean by hit list? It is a list um, that one of the perpetrators, uh, wrote out um, saying that he wanted to kill a certain um, certain people. And he actually had two lists. Hmm. Um, so at the, at the end of this, like, so um, did you get out of the podcast? Like how many episodes are there? There's three? There's 10 episodes 10? and then there'll be bonus episodes as well. What is um, it? But there are 10 episodes. So what is it that, you hope listeners get because this is this is not just about you you're 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 putting it out no. there um where, where is it you want people to uh to like what is it you want them to get to take I away want, from? i want them to know what a great community columbine is and i think there's a lot of myths that came out of columbine and you know david cullen um dave cullen really talks about it in his book columbine and i get to interview him and i think it's really important to just, you know, navigate and, and talk about all the myths because people want to say that Columbine happened because of bullying and Columbine happened because of the trench coat mafia. And, you know, everyone wanted to blame somebody. So I think it's really important that we talk about certain myths that were that were, you know, given um, through the media. And um, I just I want people, you know, I want law enforcement to be able to share their story of that day. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, law enforcement, they, they don't get to show their true colors sometimes, you know, especially with trauma and, you know, Columbine was such a pivotal point, um, in history. And I think, and a lot of mistakes were made, uh, especially with SWAT. Um, they used to, um, secure the perimeter of, of a crime scene, um, before they go in. Um, now they go in and if there's an active shooter, they go to shoot to kill. Um, but so there were a lot of mistakes made. I, I, it's kind of like multifaceted. It's, it's, I want people to understand what the survivor community looks like. I want them to understand what, um, you know, our, you know, Frank DeAngelis, what he went through, um, just everything. And, and that literally we were, it was like Martians landed. Um, and it was all on national television. And we were so young. We were only teenagers trying to navigate this. Having worked uh, for a short time in social services, I'm curious, uh, what does the recovery process look like for someone who's gone through something like this? And um, what are the counseling sessions like? And uh, are there any counseling methods that are you know, deemed more effective? 
You know, I a lot of our survivor community talks about EMDR therapy, which is um, eye movement, um, desensitization, and reprocessing, I believe it's called. Um, but EMDR has been um, highly effective in helping with um, nightmares, and um, it, it kind of retrains your brain. Um, so that has been, and, and talk therapy has been really helpful. Um, we always tell, uh, the Rebels Project, we always tell um, survivors to, when they're ready, to walk through their steps of that day. Um, like, for instance, I walk through my steps at Columbine several times in my recovery. Mm. When, uh, so let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Um, where were you when this happened? I was in the cafeteria getting ready to have lunch. I um, just got a basketball scholarship that morning through um, my coach, Dave Sanders, and uh, I was going down to tell all my friends about it, and uh, then the shooting started happening. So uh, now, of course, this was a complete surprise. You never knew anything like this was going to happen. Um, What was your initial reaction? I thought it was a fight outside, to be honest with you. I didn't know it was going to be this planned out um, massacre, Um, but it was supposed to be a bombing, actually, but it ended up turning into um, they came in. The bombs didn't go off at 1117 like they were supposed to, and um, they came in shooting at the propane tanks. I was in the cafeteria underneath the table while I was hearing all the gunfire. Um, and then I watched my coach, Dave, kind of navigate and tell us where to go. And then he told us to run and, and get out of the building. So I took his cue and, um, and ran as fast as I could out, out the main entrance of the cafeteria and ran um, as, as we were running out, we were being shot at. Mm. So I'd imagine now um, quite a few of the survivors like yourself or, uh, you know, a little bit older and and quite a few have families themselves. Um, How is that for putting your own kids into school? Yeah, that. um, So putting my daughter in to preschool set off a just a multitude of, of problems for me. Um, the day I, I sent her to preschool, I actually ended up in the hospital because I fainted and, um, I had a panic attack and I thought I was dying. Um, and my doctor at the time just, um, told me I had panic disorder and I had to go back and get help. And that was years later after the Columbine shooting. It was years later that I had, you know, this traumatic effects of, of my trauma. It just came out, it, it came out of nowhere. So it was kind of, it was something you kind of put away, something hidden for, for all that time. Absolutely. And it's something that I deal with to this day. And now my daughter is a freshman in high school and her first day this, this year and at school, I, I had that panicky feeling that, this was going to happen to her. And um, it's something that I, I struggle with on, on, you know, not on a daily basis, but it's something that's in the back of my mind. Um, I know that the kids are safe and um, I'm not going to stop sending my kids to school, but it's definitely something that, 
you know, is, is in my life. How did you explain it to her? Columbine? Yeah. Like how, how you did talk to her about it, didn't you? I did. Uh, when she was 12 years old, um, it was the Columbine anniversary and I took her, well, she was curious about what happened to me. She wanted to know all the details. And so I, I shared them with her and I told her all about it and, and we spent the day together and, um, it was really lovely, like walking up to the, the memorial with my daughter, Dave Sanders' daughter, Connie, came up to us and gave Brianna, my daughter, some flowers. And so it was just kind of fitting for the moment. But um, that was the first day that I really shared my experience with her. So now uh, in, in the world today and, and how things have gone and, and the, the constant shootings in schools and stuff and Parkland and all of the stuff, um, what, what's your feeling on, um, on gun control itself? You know, and I, I try to stay so politically, I try to stay out of the gun reform and gun control, um, you know, topics just because of, I, I run a, I help run a nonprofit organization. And if I choose sides, then, you know, I want everyone to feel comfortable coming into the rebels project. So, but personally me, um, just talking off the record, like I'm, I'm pissed off. I, this has got to change. Something has to change. We, um, we as a society need to figure out, um, what to do with, um, you know, gun reform. And I think it's really important to, um, it's also a mental health issue and talking with Kate Batten and FBI profiler, Mary Ellen O'Toole, this seems like a male issue in, in society, a young male issue. So we need to start looking at this differently. And I don't know what that is and how to stop mass shootings, but I mean, we've, we've got to figure out like, um, you know, Kate Batten had mentioned that boys are lacking in coping skills. So maybe that is a reason why, you know, we're, you know, they're, then there's, they're apt to go grab a gun and, and, and shoot up a school. So I, it's, it's such a multifaceted issue and I just, I don't know how to stop it. And I, I wish I could stop it. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of an interesting topic because I don't know, um, I, I, not that I had any great coping skills, especially when I was young, but I didn't have the urge to shoot even the bullies, even the people that, uh, mm-hmm. let's say, were mean to me. Um, but I also grew up in Canada, so um, it's not like we had the access to the guns. Yeah. Um, so that's a little little different and it's something it's something that seems to be picking up again recently this year um so i definitely think there's a mental element to it you're right mm-hmm. you know i do i think it's a it's a it's a it's it's not so cut and dry with um you know take away all the guns um i i think that i don't think anyone should have a, a magazine um i don't know why anyone would need something like that um i'm not I'm not saying get away, get rid of the, your second amendment, right? Um, I, I own guns, um, handguns, but, um, you know, they're locked up safely and I'm a responsible gun owner, but at the same time, it's like, 
there something's got to give. We've got to have stricter gun laws. We've got to have stricter background checks. And, you know, it's got to be a mental health. It's a mental health crisis, too. Do you worry about backlash on that sort of subject? I definitely worry about backlash on that subject. Um, and that's why I, I, I pretty much don't talk about it because I, you know, my focus is on the aftermath after someone got, has gone through a mass trauma and not, um, gun reform. Um, now I will go to gun rallies though. I have been to March for Our Lives. My daughter and I did a glamour piece a few years back, um, after Parkland, my daughter wanted to go be a part of that movement and I supported her. So, um, yeah, I, I, but I, I have to be, I have to be careful when dealing with that subject. Yeah. And, and the things are so political nowadays, like things are pretty wild, especially in the U S I, I don't know what, what's going to happen. And, and, and I see this with like, um, when we talk the last four years and we talk about the uh, gun control, but we can also talk about people like Alex Jones and that whole nutball squad. Mm-hmm. And um, how does that sit with you? Like, how do you deal with people that kind of um, say that Columbine didn't happen, that it was a hoax, that there was crisis actors and all that? Like what, what do you, what do you do with that? Uh, I don't even acknowledge it. I mean, there, that's just absurd to say that Sandy Hook never happened. Like I, I've worked in that community and, uh, we've, we've seen the carnage and the sadness and everything that has happened in that community. Um, I mean, it's just, I can't even go there. Like it's just, it doesn't even resonate with me. I'm like, I, I can't believe someone would say that that didn't happen or it was a hoax. That's, I think it goes back to mental illness. <laughs> yeah, I think it does too. <laughs> I, I definitely think it goes back to mental illness and, and, uh, you know, conspiracy theories. I, I can't even go there. All I know is that when someone goes through a mass shooting, that there are support services out there to help people through it. Yeah. I'm because it's not going to stop. Well, like, it's, I, it's a good thing, right? I mean, it's something that yeah. it wasn't there when it happened to you. No, it wasn't. And that's why our CEO, Heather Martin, she, you know, she wanted a a mental, she wanted a a support system. And so she made one. And um, apparently it's needed. (laughs) You know, it's it's definitely needed. When you speak to other survivors, um, what do you tell them? You know, I... I like to just listen and, you know, when they want to tell me their story, it's so personal that um, I just I sit back and I listen. Um, sometimes we cry and we definitely hug. And um, it's it's just a, it's powerful when you get to meet another survivor that understands what you've gone through. And um, I've met shooting survivors that have been shot and I've met um, some that have um, invisible wounds that um, and survivor's guilt. And, you know, it's just a safe space that everyone can talk about their feelings um, and a lot of laughter. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us have a, a dark sense of humor. <laughs> so we we kind of have like a I don't know, like mass shooting survivors. I can't speak for all of them, but at least like our group is kind of quirky and goofy and we talk about 
our, you know, triggers and things that make us jumpy and things, you know, sounds and, um, and it just normalizes, um, you know, what we're, what we went through. It's necessary. It is. Yeah. It is to validate someone's feelings is, is really powerful. Well, and you'll find that, you know, cause I know in the true crime world too, we, we have, have a dark sense of humor and sometimes yeah. it can get pretty, uh, it's, it's some people kind of get upset, you know, when they hear some of the things we'll say and it's like, well, it's kind of a way of coping with it. Don't, don't you find? Yeah, I do. And it's, you know, like, well, you know, I'll, I'll say to my mass shooting community, I'm going to shoot you an email. And, you know, it's just, we're just, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I, I'm like, oh crap, I just said shoot, you know, yeah. like <laughs> gallows humor. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we just, um, you know, humor has gotten us through this a lot of times, you know, I mean, you've got to find humor in life. You've got to learn to laugh again and to find joy in life because the world is a scary place, but you know, um, it's you, you got to learn how to cope and get through things and uh and come out of it okay and and you can come out of it okay it just takes some time yeah and and i agree with that you you really do have to uh find the laughter find a little bit of humor in this because uh otherwise it'll be dark all the time you know oh yeah i mean my mama. So I wore these really stupid wedge shoes when I was running from the the shooting, um, <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't run. You know, they were they were ridiculous. And my they mom was like, <laughs> they, "I looked fabulous." <laughs> but like, my mom was like, "Why didn't you take those dumb shoes off?" And I was like, "Well, they're really expensive, mom. I can't like take them off. Like, I'm not going to lose my shoes." I'm live so on TV. Just, yeah, it's like, you know, you just got to find like humor and, and, you know, funny, funny things, you know, I, I remember after um, the after the shooting, we went to Chatfield High School to finish up our, our year. And um, we were sitting in this circle, um, talking about our feelings. And, you know, this, this special needs boy is, you know, just getting up and being goofy. And, um, we're just, you know, we found laughter and like happiness and joy. Like he brought us joy, you know, during, during just a really sad time. Like he was trying to make us laugh. And I think mm -hmm. like we needed that at that time. So now looking back at things, how do you think this, this changed your life? How did this, um, change the where where you were going to go do you know what i mean how the future oh that's a hard question um how did so well, how do you question. think well how do you what do you think would have happened to you if if you weren't at the school that day you had been sick or something you know if i wasn't there i probably would have had survivor survivor's guilt or um i i don't know um but i i would have gone off and played basketball um, but I wouldn't have met my husband. So, you know, I try to look at the positives that, you know, that day, you know, it brought me, you know, tremendous sadness. But at the other side of it, like I, it, it has brought me amazing opportunities to meet new people, to love my, I love my life. I, I love my family. I cherish life every single day and I don't take it for granted. 
Hmm. I know that life can be cut short very quick. Yeah, that's for sure. The, um, so your day to day life now, what's it like? It's really busy. I have four kids. So my day to day life is, you know, I'll get up in the morning, I'll get all the kids off to school. Um, And then I usually have like lunches for the Rebels Project and, you know, emails. And um, well, in this this past year, I've been working on the podcast um, every day. So that has kept me really busy this year. Ongoing. Um, So what would your message be to someone else that's um, in a crisis like this or been through some sort of a a shooting or something um, in, in the same area as you? You know, uh, Boulder just happened here in Colorado. Um, I would love to tell them that, you know, when you're ready, there's a support system out there for you. Um, And just, you know, don't stop your marathon. Keep running your marathon, no matter how hard it gets, no matter if you don't think you can go on anymore, you can. And it takes it takes just a lot of time and um, you've got to, you've got to find a support system. I think that is a number one is you've got to find a support system that of people that you trust and that people that will validate your feelings and be there for you. Um, you know, and, and just never stop running your marathon because it's an ongoing path that you're on, you know, there's, there's a key part there when you said, um, that, when you know you're ready, how does, how does a person know what is that time for someone? Sometimes it's when you hit rock bottom, (laughs) like literally hit rock bottom, like whether that's with addiction, it's with um, a lot of our peers have had addiction issues. Um, It could be mine was ending up in the hospital um, bed thinking I'm dying with a panic attack. Um, that's when I knew I needed to go get some more help. Um, it could be, you know, just you're ready to talk about it. Um, you know, I think it's really important to, you know, listen to your body, listen to, you know, um, I was like physically ill all the time because I had a lot of PTSD and trauma and that manifested into like me being physically ill. Um, so just, I think it's just really important to listen to your body and, and, and find a support system. Yeah. Yeah. I listen to my body all the time. <laughs> Me too. I'm 40 now and, and stuff hurts. Oh, <laughs> wait till you're 60. <laughs> or 50. Yeah. You forget what part is hurting. You know, yeah. you my body's really mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> me too. My body's mad at me too. Yeah. That's just, um, now what's your, what's your, now, for people that are listening and they want to listen to your podcast, where do they go find it? You can find it on every platform, um, Apple, Spotify, Google, Wondery, um, anywhere. And then uh, people can just, they can find us on Facebook, um, Instagram, just go to Confronting Columbine and we're, we're everywhere. And do you have a website or a, a website that you suggest people go to? Um, that is a good question. And... And you don't have it. And I don't have it. And I knew you were going to ask that of me. Well, that's okay. Um, um, 
we will we'll figure it out. And when we do get it, we will put it up on our website and let people have I love access that. to it. And then they can just click and find out and stuff. And, Definitely. And, um, and but they, yeah. But yeah. now people could check out the rebelsproject.org if they're yes. really interested in learning more about that. Definitely. They can uh, check us out on, on the rebelsproject.org and um, we're, we're all there and we're a small grassroots company and uh, we just, we love what we do and we love um, just being with the survivor communities. Well, that's, that's really, so um, how's, how's this uh, been with COVID in the last year and all this, like with uh, the rebels and so how's, how's that going? Is it, it makes you know, it quite a bit harder, I guess. You know, we have to do our monthly, we actually have a monthly meeting tonight um, and uh, with our survivor group and uh, it's via Zoom. So we're not going to be able to have our survivors gathering this summer, which we fly out survivors all over the country and have a whole weekend of healing and, and just connecting, uh, connecting. Um, so we're not going to have that this summer. And then um, I'm doing a golf tournament in August. So I'm hoping that that's going to be able to happen, <laughs> but so far so good. And it looks like uh, we're going to be able to have our, our fund, our ninth annual rebels with the cause fundraiser. So. Wow. Well, you should tell me where that is. So I'll make sure I get there with my anti-mask rally and. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, it's quite a world. Well, it is. Well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure meeting you and and having you Thank on the you. show. And uh, wish you most success in the future. And um, hopefully, Thank you so turns much. out. You know, I, it's just good that you're out there doing this. And uh, definitely, ho- hopefully, it it helps. It, it helps a lot when you guys all can get together physically, but doesn't it? It does. It helps so much. I mean, and you know, I mean, we talk on Facebook, and you know. Um, all the time we have a very private group um in within Facebook that has um like a thousand or almost two thousand members to it. Um but we you know we can connect that way but it's just better in person. It's just awesome when you've been talking to somebody for a long time and then you finally get to like physically meet them. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about the uh support of someone when they're when they're with you physically rather than just yeah. online yeah. all the but time. But we're we're pretty fortunate. We're we're still afloat and um and we're we're still there and, and we're still gonna be there for people, but um we're excited to get back out into the community. So where are you off to next? You're gonna keep on doing this or um have you you, you heading to Hollywood or what what's going on? <laughs> I you know, I wanna be a probation officer, I think. Oh. Um, I, I got my degree in criminal justice and I think I would love to go into the, you know, the, I, I, yeah, I would love to be a probation officer. I think that's probably next and still work for the rebels project and, and take care of kiddos. So that's kind of where I think I'm headed. And, and you said you do kickboxing. I do. Yeah. They actually just offered me a job this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you can start kicking people. You, can do <laughs> I, you know, I that that was a really big part of my healing and my recovery was um, I started fighting, actually. And I had a fight when I was like 26 years old. I ended up having my first boxing USA boxing match. And it wow. was I, I lost, um, but it was so much fun. But, you know, Mike Tyson says it's always fun until you get punched in the face. So <laughs> absolutely. 
or bit in the ear. Yeah, you always have, a, or he said, you always have a plan until you get punched in the face. So, and my plan went out the window when I got punched. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that, that is, it's important to do that physical work too, don't you think? I mean, absolutely. It, like when you're actually out there, you know, kicking and hitting and stuff like that, it's kind of a way of getting your aggression out, right? Oh, yeah. And plus, I have ADD, so I can't sit still. And I think it's really important for me. I'm I'm such a physical person to begin with, and I love sports. So for me, that is my best outlet. And, and I mean, I would much rather go kick and hit something than sit in a therapy session. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and if, if Dave and you weren't married, he'd, he'd, he'd be the perfect husband for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he, loves, he loves getting beat up by his wife. He's, well, that's that's so funny. <laughs> and we're, yeah, so you must wear the pants in the house then, eh? You just, I do. Yeah. I do. <laughs> yep. Well, My so. husband doesn't mess with me, that's for sure. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> no. she's got guns, too. Oh. <laughs> Well, awesome. it's been a pleasure, and and um, ho- hopefully everything keeps going well for you. And um, awesome. our guest has been the um, survivor, and she's also the host of Confronting Columbine podcast, Amy Over. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Take care, guys. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. <laughs>